Good Monday morning, this is Matt Hodell with the Bastards of Art podcast. Time to get your speed on before you get speed on. Hope everyone's doing really, really well. Uh, you know, dull pencils make for creative minds. Let's go do some shit. Um, you know, when you start art, uh, there's this like whole thing about stealing and 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 not being super original. And I think that's like uh, one of the worst feelings in the world I think someone could have is the fact that they don't feel original. And people people put so much emphasis into themselves that if anybody kind of looks or bites or steals something from them, they'd act like someone stole part of their soul. Uh, and it, it, this isn't like new. Um, Dostoevsky talks about it in the book The Idiot, how... It's the struggle for a man to stay original. And he goes on to talk about one of the characters, uh, Ganyo, is like, you know, as soon as I have some money, then I can be a real man, then I can be original. Um, so this is like a total normal human struggle, is to be original. And I think when someone thinks that they've found this niche where they are original, uh, and anybody kind of attacks any of it or steals any of it, then it's, it's like you're stealing my soul or you're stealing my, you know, whatever. Who gives a shit, man? It's so stupid. Um, there's a book uh, that I read a couple years back and what the quote in it was, and I've said this before on the podcast, and the quote is, uh, people ov- overestimate their uniqueness so that commonalities seem like small miracles. And we, we live in such superficial bubbles in our head that you know we really do think we're so damn special but we're just like a a product of our environment and if someone else is living in a similar environment than you then you think there's probably a good chance that they came up with some of the same ideas that you came up with i mean just a little bit by chance that you guys saw the same paintings or were influenced by the same people or even the same culture like hip-hop culture tattoo culture or you know biker culture or whatever subculture that is um not necessarily so mainstream, you know, where you do have to put a little work into finding um, finding the flow and finding the spirit of that style of drawing or the essence of that drawing. I mean, uh, I think of a lot like when when um, when people are learning how to play music, like a piano. I've never ever heard of somebody on their first, you know, six months of playing the piano being told not to use reference. I mean, the first thing they do is give you like a learner book where you basically practice um, how to play a well-known piece. And it could be something as stupid as Shortcut Bread or whatever that song was or, you know, working your way up to something more classic or more traditional. Um, But the point is, is in the beginning, especially in the beginning, and so for those artists out there that are like new to a new medium, dude, Stop thinking you've got to be original. You will spend less time learning the medium and more time concentrating on this feeling of validation or verification that you're not a, I don't know, like whatever, who cares? Just good artists borrow, great artists steal. And it's the truth. So let's talk a little bit about reference and what reference is and how to use it to your advantage and how to not you know, just take the worry out of like, am I stealing? Am I whatever? Um, look, every other creative industry references in one form or another. 
If you think about this really quick, the idea that humans have been learning to read and write for thousands of years and we've been drawing longer than that, okay? That you, this one small human in a planet where there's like, what, 8 billion humans right now? You, not only the 8 billion that are alive, but the billions upon billions that were here before you, you're the one, you're the one, you're the chosen one that's actually going to come up with the most creative problem-solving solution ever? Dude, that's too much pressure. Relax. Just know that what you're really doing is you're standing on the shoulders of giants, so to speak, and if you want to borrow or you want to steal or you want to reference, just be okay with it. That way you don't look shady. You don't look weird. Just be like, look, man, this guy's really good. I'm going to study his stuff and I'm going to duplicate it as best as I can until one day I can sprinkle 10% of my own personality onto it. And that's almost a homage to whoever you're stealing from. For me, it'd be like, you know, one of the first Horiyoshis. I'm never going to be that good. Look, I get it. I'm never going to be that good because culturally and how things work in the United States, I'm never going to have a chance to really concentrate on tattooing the way those masters did it. But I can do my best to reference them to the point where I understand how to break it down and put it back together. And it's just a, such a, you know, for me, it's a tip of the hat if I can kind of like take what's been done before and with the tip of a hat, try to figure out how to deconstruct it, reconstruct it, and then, you know, slowly kind of make it mine or, or put a new a new sound in the universe. But being original, no. It's obvious you're going to look at a dragon I did and be like, oh, here's who you were probably looking at or referencing when you drew that dragon. But, you know, uh, you got to think about how many hours a, a musician would play before they even start to compose their own music. A lot of times when you have those like idiot servants, they're not necessarily like playing the piano and coming up with the greatest hits that no one's heard before. A lot of times it's a guy who can like play, you know, uh, I don't know, Beethoven's fifth forward and backward and some weird, you know, mem like heard it once, plays it exactly how, you know, whatever. But that's not necessarily being creative. That's just some weird natural, uh, unnatural, I don't know, talent that for that, but they're not being original or creative. Um, the people who are original and creative with music, they've studied so many people that you're like, okay, give me a blues riff, you know, give me a rock and roll, roll riff, give me a jazzy riff. And they know all these genres inside and out so that they can know what, they want when they create their original music or like you know I'm looking for something that has a feeling of being more jazzy and I want to that's how I want this to go and I, I want it to flow like this and I want to tell my story this way because at the end of the day that's what we're doing is we're trying to tell our stories but in order to do that we need to know number one how to use the equipment we're using with us brushes canvas digital paint tattoo machines whatever we need to know how to use the equipment first so we borrow and reference so we have material to learn. And then we stack our experience along with everyone else's experience that came before us. And then we slowly learn how to like storytell based on the more bigger picture type thing. Um, other, excuse me real quick, <clears throat> other industries, um, like even when you write, 
you know, um, there's very few people that came up with their own prose. Like Hemingway was kind of known for that. Like he kind of came up with his own way of like punchy writing. And then even Bukowski, you could even you could even look at Bukowski's like version of writing and almost argue that his punchy straight to the point was similar to Hemingway's, only with more cuss words and talking about penises and stuff like that. Um, and even Bukowski admits later in life that he um, he kind of uh, stole from uh, oh I forget the guy's name. He actually went back and republished them when he was on uh, that Black Sparrow uh, publication. I'll, I'll think of it in a minute. But even Bukowski says, look, man, I, I heavily borrowed from this guy until I made it my own. Um, you, uh, The important thing to remember is that if you're heavily referencing and you're still learning, just, you know, don't try to pass it off as 100% your idea. Just be like, look, man, here's a reference I did of, uh, I don't know, you know, to be generic, Monet's Water Lilies. I'm sure everyone would understand that that's what you're doing. But say it was like something more like uh, 80s Robin Williams crazy paintings, you know, and you're like, yeah, I kind of stole these characters. I just put them in a new environment, you know. I just wanted to learn how to move them and play with them. Um, but in reality, here's another kind of a few ways to use reference that's not necessarily stealing, it's more trying to get unstuck, all right? Um, one of the things is lighting. What makes photography and, and painting and drawing important is light. And you have to understand how light works in order to create an environment. This mystical, weird, whatever environment you're trying to set the stage for the atmosphere of the story. And if, I want you to think really quickly, like um, something lit where there's a creepy guy in the room and by candlelight, you can barely see the reflection of a guy's face. And it's a spot lighting, very strong. There's no backlighting. You only pick up like the rim of, of maybe a profile. It doesn't light the whole entire thing up. Maybe the light's coming from underneath. And you're trying to figure out like where would would this light get picked up and where would these heavy shadows get casted and uh yeah so whatever dude go and look at an old uh renaissance painting um or a classic lighting painting where they only had one point lighting normally these really heavy uh who would be that like rembrandt would have these really heavy single light um compositions reference it look at it you're not taking the character you're stealing an aspect of how that person problem-solved lighting and then applying it to yours. Um, there's like, you know, more of a, the 19th century when we start getting into bounce light um, where you got the, the, one, the one light that's on the person, but then there's this ambient light that bounces off a wall or, um, you know, you do get the feeling that maybe there's a there in the corner and you're getting some light from a bigger room. Um, so there might be two points of lighting. And you're not really sure how that bounce light comes into play does it travel all the way across your canvas is it only really going to be affected by the guy on the left side of the canvas so yeah maybe you go look and you check and you say how does this lighting how can i reference this lighting or what about referencing compositions this was something that i did a lot when i was transitioning from small tattoos into big tattoos um i would uh so uh chris trevino came out with a book and then there's the old um Japanese books that have uh, actually hold on. Uh, 
Horyoshi's World. That's what it was called. Um, and what I did was I didn't draw the subject um, in all these big tattoos. What I did was I drew the background. And I drew the background over and over again in a sketchbook from composition to composition. And it's only through referencing and studying um, these masters that I was able to kind of like figure out composition and how to like put the characters on the body where it doesn't look like maybe they're all cramped into one corner and then there's this big dead space and then nothing, you know, where it's... <clears throat> You're trying to, you know, when you're doing composition, let's just be straight here. When you're making a composition, you're trying to either intentionally create tension or remove the tension. The point of a good composition is, is that you're taking away all the awkward moments where all the characters that are involved, they're talking. And to do that correctly, you want to make sure that everyone is in their correct place and standing on the correct platform and having the correct amount of voice and the correct amount of... Um, attention drawn to them um, so that the story the story that you're trying to tell reads correctly um, and so yeah studying classic compositions and even like when it comes into like um, you know you can go down all these rabbit holes you can spend a year just doing lighting you could spend a year just doing composition you can get into figure drawing and start to you know steal um, figures and try to figure out how to make them more more gestury um, or more Proportionate, you know, those are two two totally different worlds. Um, but uh, another way to steal, and this is one I do quite a bit um, for the sake of speeding up my drawing time. Because let's get something straight: I'm getting paid to draw. Not everything I do is about some spiritual quest. So sometimes in my workflow, in my work week, I might only have an hour or two hours or four hours to get a certain drawing done. And so if it's something like, a, I know someone wants like an Indian head, side profile of an Indian head with the feathers and uh, um, the costuming that goes along with that. Um, it's not necessarily something I know a lot about, you know, I don't know the, how long are the feathers? How do they lay? Do they come straight off the forehead? Do they lay back a little bit more? So number one, I'm going to have to look at a couple of references for that point. But number two, even though if I want to sit down and draw all my structural shapes, like the, the cranium and the band and the, and the shape of the feathers as a whole, once it become a larger unit, I can do that. Or I can take an old photograph, lay it down, and quickly copy the edges of everything just so I kind of have the proportion so I'm not dicking around with that and then move on and draw on top of that loose sketch so I'm not sitting there forever trying to steal the compositions another one would be like you know sometimes tigers throw me off like I get the back way too long or I get the or 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 sometimes like the back legs are way big and the front legs are like too tiny or maybe the neck's not long enough sometimes dude look I'll make all the texturing and all the gesturing and the head. I'll make all that fit the storyline that I want to draw. But sometimes all I need is a tiger that's going down. Let me just steal that kind of loose shape and then let me adjust it. If I need the arm to go up, at least now I have a starting point instead of doing everything 100% out of my head. So sometimes we use reference just to kind of like start, get going. And then we kind of, you know, we don't, we don't stare at the tiger 
that we reference the proportions on and steal the rest of it. I mean, you might as well just trace it. But referencing it just for the proportions, that's not a big deal, man. Um, so I think for me, if I am going to reference, I try not to reference a lot. I think, let me, let me try to, let me rephrase that. I think of referencing kind of like soup. And just because I like how a lot of different people make their soups, I try to follow just one chef and figure out what the essence of his, how, how, how he dynamically puts together all these seasonings and all this, um, these meat and how the pH levels match and how the, you know, the, the, all the little idiosyncrasies that, that somehow he has brought fruition. He's brought life to how this zest of a soup is going to taste. And so, yeah, I'll, I might at first be mocking how he does it until I can try to figure out the relationship between um, some of the elements that he's using. But I don't use Chef A, Chef B, and Chef C and try to slam them all into one drawing, reference all of them, then leave them behind, and then take what I've stolen and try to make it mine. And not really, you know, there's too much going on. There's too many dynamics. The guy from A, his. He might have a different base that he uses that doesn't work with the guy from C's seasoning. And so you you, you got to kind of like just focus down. And for me, what I try to tell, you know, especially young artists, there's already somebody out there that you wish you were or that you wish you could be or that you are totally inspired by. Just reference them. Redraw their stuff over and over again. Uh, spoiler alert. Years and years and years ago, we had... Um, a house like if you studied under uh, Renoir or something like that um, and he even studied under a master right you would study under this master who would be doing these paintings a lot of times for commission and a lot of times it was for the church um, who had the money to pay for these huge paintings you know painting that might take two years to finish or a year to finish and the reality is the master would have this student mixing the oil paints because you couldn't go to art mart and buy it they'd be mixing the oil paints they'd be helping to make the brushes so you were right away this this kid this 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 pupil this this apprentice is getting knowledge of just how these bristles work with this oil right um and then as their relationship progressed the master might be like hey will you sketch in a cherub here and i'll paint it and then eventually it'd be like, hey, will you paint a cherub here? And it, it might just be a little cherub in the corner of the painting. But sometimes when you get into artwork, there's busy work to do. Like, I just wish someone could come in here and just do all this foliage because I want to concentrate on the tiger. So having uh, an apprentice under you to learn all that and having a master that letting you do that, you're basically getting past the torch and standing on the shoulders of giants we don't necessarily have too much of that anymore i don't know any academic situations where people talk about they had that great relationship with an instructor um but we don't really have that anymore so what you almost have to do is fake it and find someone that you really really admire and just pretend that you were their pupil and do your best to get to the point where people can't tell the difference between your creation and their creation not because they've seen that tiger before but because 
You basically drew the tiger that that master never drew. But you've studied him so much that people are like, wow, I really thought this was like a lost tiger that, you know, Horiyoshi never drew or something like that. Um, so I guess just to tie it all together, look, I'm going to say it again. Good artists borrow, great artists steal. Don't beat yourself up. You will miss out on so many opportunities to learn by trying to be original. So just have some focus, write down what your goals are, and go after them. And just know that there's, man, it's our playground. We can do whatever we want. There are no, you know, if you if you feel like you've cheated a little bit too much, then work harder so you don't have to feel like you cheated so much. Draw more. Get off the Nintendo. Get off the the gaming boxes, whatever. I mean, maybe you need to sacrifice your social life. Maybe you need to sacrifice something in your life and replace it with hard work, um, with with the, the, that feeling of trying to discover something new. Um, so anyway, this has been another episode of the Bastards of Art podcast. My name's Matt. Uh, we're on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud. I have a webpage www.bastardsart.com dude if you're on iTunes can you do me a favor and leave a comment please shout out to Micah who's been a, a regular listener um, really appreciate the feedback man and uh, you're doing good uh, keep up the hard work um, if uh, let's see what else I got oh my webpage matthodeltattoo.com h-o-d-e-l and uh yeah, man. I hope everyone has a great week. Uh, talk to you guys next Monday.